Hey, it's Mark Mason with a new episode of Hope Signals. Actually going to start a new series called The Risk of Art. And going to talk a little bit about creativity. Man, we need to be creative in our day and age. We have crazy problems all around us. And we need to be creative, bringing creative solutions to the table, uh, solving these problems, bringing solutions to the many problems our world faces. And uh, it doesn't have to be feed the whole world solutions, but what can we do right where we are with what we have to bring solutions to the table? It's going to take creativity, and creativity is going to take risk. Art is going to take risk. Let me give you a, a brief update on Life on the Verge. Pray for us. We've got three more events scheduled in Florida before we head west. We had a prison last week cancel because of a COVID outbreak. Uh, yesterday, we traveled three hours out to Daytona Beach and did uh, played music for a dear friend's birthday party, Drifter, who's 80 years old. He's part of the, been part of the Sons of God Motorcycle Club for many years. So we went to Redemption Community Bible Church, which is about the coolest biker church. Um, did I say Redemption Community Biker Church? That's what it's called. Uh, just a very, very cool facility and awesome people. If you're a biker and you live near Daytona, that's a great church. I think it's 555 8th Street in Holly Hill. And uh, so that was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to do that for Drifter, who has served us in prison many times, coming in and helping us carry gear and giving his testimony. And uh, we just love Drifter and uh, his sidekick, Roller, by the way. Uh so let's get back to uh, this idea of the risk of art and why I'm why I'm going there today. I, I kind of teach out of the overflow of, of what uh, God's doing in my own head and heart. I started thinking about risk, and of course the first thing I want to do, well, what's the formal definition of risk? It's a situation involving exposure to danger, harm, or injury. I realized, you know, the older we get, the more we want to minimize risk but maximum, maximize outcome. You know, we ask the question, what's the smallest risk I can take for the greatest reward? When we're kids, we're inclined to take more risk. We're a little, little more crazy. I used to say um, risk requires courage, but there's a fine line between courage and crazy. You know, when we were kids, my brother... He roller skated off the garage roof and did a somersault to impress our friends. That maybe there's some courage there, uh, but that's that's probably on the crazy side of the line. Uh, God hadn't called us to be crazy, but He has called us to be courageous. You know, Andrew, my brother, when he was about seven years old, I guess he jumped off a table in the lunchroom at our school and uh, broke his left arm trying to do a wrestling move on another kid. So he got a cast on his left arm. It wasn't a, a week or so later that even with only one arm, he decided to challenge me to a sword fight with a couple of wooden dowels. I won that sword fight by stabbing him in the eye. So off to the emergency room we went. He had a cut on his eyeball, so they had to put a patch over his left eye. So now here's a seven-year-old kid walking around with a patch over his left eye and a cast on his left arm. Uh, but it wasn't over. We got home from church one day, and 
it was my decision to make the bomb, which didn't blow up at all. Uh, my homemade bomb with aluminum foil, gasoline-soaked tissue paper uh, didn't go off like I expected, so we just decided to light a little plastic container of gas on fire. So me and Andrew and another friend are standing around this little thing that's flaming on the surface, this, this container of gasoline, and Andrew mocked me, so I kicked it at him. Well, the gas sloshed up his leg, and he was on fire. <laughs> he ran down the driveway, spinning in circles, doing exactly what you shouldn't do, and the fire grew and grew. I tackled him and put the fire out. Thank God he had taken off his polyester church pants, or he would have totally gone, gone up in flames. He was wearing Sears tough skin jeans which protected him to some degree. I begged him not to go in the house and tell my mom, even though he was just scorched. His pants were scorched. We were using the, the faucet next door, our neighbors, to put water on it, but he, he had to give in. turned out he had third-degree burns on his leg. And so he went to the emergency room again, and they for, for weeks he had to wear pants with one leg cut off from about the thigh down with all this gauze packed around his leg. On the left side, with a cast on his left arm, and a patch on his left eye. What a sight to see. He looked like he was either a victim of child abuse or he was on the driver's side of a car when it got in an accident. Uh, but that is probably more crazy than courageous. Uh, however, sometimes when we take courageous risk, even as adults, there are going to be people that think that we are crazy because as adults... We start to grow a life for ourselves, don't we? We acquire stuff, belongings, reputation, relationships. And this is where we start to grow more risk adverse. We have more stuff to lose if we take the wrong risk. So we limit our, our, our exposure to danger, harm, and injury. A lot of times we bury our dreams because it's just not worth the risk. Well, that's therein is, is, is the harm. Okay, is that without risk, we cannot achieve our dreams. We stunt our growth, and we really don't get to see the fingerprints of God on our life the way that we'd like to. We have to take risk, and there are ways to do that. Uh, I mean, first off, understanding that there, you're, there's never a guarantee on the outcome. Otherwise, it's not a risk. You know, where's the danger? Where, where is the exposure? And, and so, we, you know, we, don't, we never think about the risks that we take every day. You know, we get behind the wheel of a car. That's a huge risk, isn't it? You know, we drove three hours there and back yesterday, and most of it was two-lane roads. And I'm, I'm banking on the people coming at me, the semi-trucks coming at me, that they're not going to fall asleep at the wheel. You know, they're not going to text and drive. But it's, I weigh the risk-reward it's worth it to expose myself like that. We use public transportation, flying airplanes, planes, uh, trains rather, buses and such. We, we take the crazy risk of eating at McDonald's. I don't. I don't eat at McDonald's. If you do, God bless you, man. You are, you are more risky than me. You are seeing the fingerprints of God if you don't get sick. Uh, nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, enough banging on McDonald's. But we deem the reward of using these things worth the risk. And part of the reason is because we see so many other people taking these risks without harm or injury. But anyway, we're always working this risk-ward scenario in our head, aren't we? 
So I want I want to dig a little deeper and let's let's begin by saying that the world needs our creativity more than ever. They need our art. And art is not just a song or a book or a painting or a sculpture. It's anything that we create. It's a business idea. It's a new way of doing an old thing. Uh, it, it can be as simple as a new way of running the coffee fund in your office by, you know, charging an extra dollar and giving that dollar to some outreach or some noble cause. You know, that's creativity. That to me, that's art. You know, we again we think of art in the traditional sense, which is normal. But I, I picked this up, I think, from Seth Godin and uh, a guy named Stephen. Uh, Pressfield, who wrote a book called The War of Art, which is a pretty cool book. There's some weird stuff in there, but it's got some great, great thoughts in there. But art being anything that we create, okay? Now, I'll define it further and say it's anything that we create for the glory of God in the service of others. Now, the world needs our creativity right now. They need our art right now more than ever. But here's another benefit. I believe that we are most joyful when we are creating. I mean, our God is a creator. Our Father is a creator. We're His children, and we're made in His likeness and image. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. We are born again. We become children of God, and we take on His character, which is to create. I mean, it's in our nature from... From the time we're born, practically, as we start to gain cognitive ability, we start creating, and we find that joy in Play-Doh or Legos or Tinker Toys and Lincoln Logs for us old schoolers or a sketch pad. So we're most joyful when we're creating. Unfortunately, the older we get, the more we get into a cycle of just doing the same old, same old, and we don't try new things. We don't take new risk. And, and again, I think we limit how much we see God at work in our lives when we don't, by faith, take risk to create new solutions to problems, whatever that may be. And it can be um, you know, as simple as songs or books or sculptures. We need that kind of art uh, that communicates hope, that communicates uh, positivity, but, you know, we think about business, The Art of the Deal, pretty famous book um, by uh, the, the infamous Donald Trump. Uh, it could be, you know, the, look, one of the most creative ideas I think I ever had, I, I may have shared it because I'm so proud of it, was the shotgun dilemma with my kids. I think I did share this. I'll share it again. But how, you know, they fought over the shotgun seat when they were little, who got to ride in the front passenger seat. And uh, and finally I said, look, there's three of you from the 1st to the 10th, the oldest from the 11th to the 19th, the middle child from the 20th to the end of the month, the youngest. Done deal. I was so proud of that. And then the youngest gets the extra days because he gets ripped off in February. <laughs> so creativity, art, I want you to think of it that way, that, that it is a, it's a new way. Uh, well, actually, Seth Godin puts it this way. The combination of talent, skill, craft, and point of view that brings new light to old problems. Now, I want you to realize this, too, about art, is that art is not art. This idea of using a combination of talent, skill, craft, and point of view that brings new light to old problems isn't art until we ship it, until it goes public. I've talked about that before. 
I'll talk about it again, until we put it out there for public consumption or ridicule. See, we're not guaranteed of the outcome, but we do it anyway because it is the generous thing to do. If we have certain skills and abilities and crafts and point of view to put those things together and try to serve others and advance the kingdom of God, if it's a huge hit, praise God. If people ridicule us for it, oh well, we did, we learned maybe a new way uh, uh, not to do it, and we go back to the drawing board and we take more risk. So let's talk about that risk a little deeper. To put your creative ideas out there is to make yourself vulnerable, and we hate vulnerability. It exposes our insecurities. Insecurities, I've heard insecurity defined as living your life trying to be the person you think everybody else thinks you are or thinks you should be. We can't live like that. There's a, there's a famous quote that says, when you're 20, you care about what everyone thinks. When you're 40, you stop caring about what everyone thinks. And when you're 60, you realize no one was ever thinking about you in the first place. Most people spend most of their time thinking about themselves. So let's talk more about risk. And let's turn to the Word of God. This morning, I woke up and I started, for some reason, reading about Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the harlot from Joshua chapter 2. She's the one that hid the spies that went in to spy out Jericho. And I listen, this idea of the risk of art came out of that, of all places. As I was looking at it, reading that, I realized I already knew. Well, first off, Rahab had three strikes against her. She was a Canaanite. Okay, idol worshiping, um, children sacrificing, evil, evil Canaanite. She was part of that clan. She was a woman. In that culture, that was a strike. And she was a prostitute. Strike three. Yet, she was used by God to hide the spies that spied out Jericho. And so I'm like, well, I knew that. And I, I knew she lied to redirect. The, the, guy, the bad guys that were trying to hunt the spies out. She told them they'd already left, but she was hiding them. And then she helped them escape down the wall. You know, her house was in the, the wall of, of the town. And, uh, and so she takes this huge, huge risk, but she, she couldn't see clearly what the reward would be. She didn't have absolute control over the outcome of this risk. She just knew she was doing the right thing at the time. Now, in the end result, listen, the end result of that risk is her family was spared when all of Jericho was destroyed. She was saved. She became part of the Israelites. She is listed in Matthew chapter 1 as part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, in the great hall of faith alongside Abraham and David and all these great people of faith. Rahab is mentioned. When James is talking about faith without works is dead, the example that he pulls out in in James 2.25 is Rahab and how her works are what what counted as righteousness. He's saying she had faith. Faith in what? Well, it tells us in in Joshua chapter 2 verse 8, before the spies lay down for the night, Rahab went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen on us so that all who dwell in the land are melting in fear of you. 
For we have heard, take note, she has heard, how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did at Sihon and Og, the two kings kings of the Amorites across the Jordan, whom you devoted to destruction. When we heard this, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. So she had heard what God had done already. Sometimes we need to go back and visit these great heroes of faith, and how God came through for them. Sometimes we need to listen to how God has come through for modern-day heroes of the faith that are doing great things for God. The risk that they took and what God did, and sometimes how it looked like failure, but out of it, God resurrected and caused great things to happen. I, I can't believe that things looked all that positive for Rahab at the time. You know, it was, it was chaos, and she took a massive risk. And here's what she said in verse 12. She's already taken the risk. Now she's going to negotiate a possible reward. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord that you will indeed show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will deliver us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men agreed. If we do not report our mission, we will show your kindness and faithfulness when the Lord gives us the land. And indeed, they did. So she took the risk, and then she prayed for vindication. She's saying, prove to me I did the right thing by fearing God. Prove to me that, I, look, I calculated, I heard what God has already done through you, and I chose to take this risk. Now vindicate me. Show me I did the right thing. This is key when we take a kingdom advancing risk. Now, I'm saying kingdom advancing because where you go, where your art goes, where your creativity goes, the kingdom goes because the kingdom of God is within you. We don't have to go around swinging and marching, swinging a Bible and, and marching down the street. We just show up to solve problems for the glory of God and the service of others, and God will expose himself when he wants to through you. So Rahab asked for vindication in exchange for taking this risk, in exchange for exposing herself to danger, harm, or injury in a very real way. And I think this is a very valid prayer. So you have an idea. You have art. You're going to step out. And, and, and you're going to ship it, and you're going to put it out there, and you're going to make yourself vulnerable. You're going to say, Lord, I, I did this thing. I looked at all this stuff I've accumul accumulated. Um, it, it may require you to risk you know, financial security. It may require you to risk even your reputation, the reputation of your family. So you did everything you could to take a calculated risk based on the character of God and what you know about Him. And I'll talk about that more in a future episode of how we can calculate risk the best that we can, but it's still going to be an unknown. And we step out and we, we kind of put all of our chips on the table. We go all in. Once we do that, it's okay to pray for vindication, to say, Lord, I've done what I felt like you told me to do, you led me to do. I could be wrong, but 
would you vindicate me? Would you show my motives? I pray my motives were right. They're not perfect. I'm a human. I always struggle between selfish ambition and godly ambition. Um, I admit that. But I've 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 did the best that I could in this flesh with your spirit in me to be led by the spirit to take this risk to put my art, my idea, my creative solution out there to glorify you, to serve other people. Now would you vindicate me? Would you show me? Would you demonstrate to me in a practical way like you did for Rahab? You protected her family. She took that huge risk, and he did. He protected her family, and not only that, he made her name great for the ages. So it's okay to pray for that. It tells us in Luke 18, there's the story of the unjust judge, and I've talked about this before, but the woman comes before the unjust judge in Luke 18, chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. And uh, she's demanding justice from her adversary. And uh, he's not even listening to her. But she keeps coming back every day. Finally, the unjust judge says, look, I'm going to give you what you're asking for, because not because I'm just, but because I'm sick of you banging on my door. And he gives her justice. And Jesus says, look, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Man, there's a lot there. That word justice, what she's asking for is vindication. It's defense. It's protection. And when I, that scripture really just poked out at me when we stepped out with life on the verge. And, and uh, man, we took such a massive risk in what we did. We let go of our salary, comfortable position at a church. Uh, even before that, we had sold a house. I had, we had a 3,000 square foot house on five acres of land. I even checked about being buried on my own property. It was God's country. I had uh, water rights and a pier that I could fish or take a boat off of. It was fantastic. So we got rid of all that, took the risk, first risk, and went to work for another church where we were kind of entry level. We were renting a place and, uh, didn't make a massive amount off the sale of our property. As a matter of fact, we had to live off that money because of the risk that we took. And then along comes life on the verge, the idea, the dream that was in my heart, realizing the massive risk it was going to take. It took five years working at that church as I formulated the idea and we talked about the risk and and worked on that. And it just grew more and more into a this, this isn't a, a should be, this is a must be. This is what I know God is eventually going to lead. And then there became a trigger point where we had to just make the decision and take the risk. And when we did that, we let go of that salary. We let go of um, medical benefits. Now, my kids were grown, so the risk was definitely lowered. But we, we were older, so that our, our need for medical insurance actually went up. And for the first time in my working career, we let go of it. Moved into this beat-up, you know, 25-year-old camper that leaked everywhere and just banging around, not even sure of exactly where we were going, just taking opportunity that was put in front of us, feeling like God has called us to this. And he just kept opening doors. And there were those that mocked us. There were those that even laughed at the idea of what we did. And I didn't pray any harm to them, but I did pray, Lord, would you vindicate us? Would you vindicate? Would you demonstrate in a practical way that that what we've done was by faith? And it doesn't have to be the most successful thing in the world. You know, we don't have to be rock stars in anybody's eyes. But just show people that what we've done 
was really, at its core, to glorify you and to serve others. And uh, sure enough, man, he has sure done that in, in 10 years since that vital decision. Uh, he has done that over and over again in many, many ways. I mean, he's given us such a, an effective ministry. Sorry, my coffee maker going off again. Given us an effective ministry, provided for everything and more. It's just mind-blowing, man, what's happened and how God has grown our ministry. And then what happened with our son, you know, it's very publicly God vindicated us. You know, Matt, who's had two gold records, he's had two number one hits on the alternative rock billboard charts. You know, I got to go out and play Lala. Palooza and Bonnaroo and club dates and different places with him. All that is very public. It's out there. And in a way, it's vindication because Matt got his, he cut his teeth playing prisons with Life on the Verge. And his manager even said that his story was just as important as his music when he got him signed. And so I'm not tooting my horn here. I'm saying God answered a prayer. And in my eyes, anyway, he vindicated. However, you know, we knew that perhaps this will be a colossal failure. We have no guarantees of the outcome of life on the verge right now. We're completely dependent upon God moving on the hearts of people to give and keep sustain us and grow us and keep us moving. We're completely dependent upon God to help us come up with creative ideas and open doors of opportunity for us. So it's there's still risk, risk, risk. The temptation where we're at right now is it's it's we finally hit a stage where I feel at peace. I'm not. I don't feel as as if I'm kind of hovering on a hoverboard, you know, uh, living by faith. I feel like God has given us a a, a little bit of a buffer. You know, we are, are we've got a, a, a operational fund in our in our account. You know, if you know, if if our RV broke down tomorrow, we we could probably fix it without screaming help to everybody. For years, it wasn't like that. You know, we've got a couple of buffers here and there, and there's a. So the temptation, of course, is to draw back a little bit, you know, and kind of just, but no, we won't grow if we don't continue to take risk. And so let me let me say this, and I, this is going to be uh, probably going to take another podcast to talk about, um, you know, failure and failing forward and uh, how we deal with that because uh, it's, it's okay, fail is, failure it doesn't have to be final. Failure is part of the process, really, of growing and becoming um, all that your potential demands you you be and do. Um, let me just conclude by rehashing here for my own sake. We're most joyful when we are creating art. And I believe that, man, we need to be creating art, creative ideas, new solutions to problems uh, more than ever in our day and age. Number two, uh, art is anything we create for the glory of God and the service of others. Think of it like that for the purpose of this series. Art isn't art until we ship it, until it goes out. We make ourselves vulnerable and we put it out there. Um, Shipping our art requires risk because it might be celebrated. It might be ridiculed. We don't know. Uh, if it does get ridiculed, if it, if it falls flat, what do we do? We start trying to examine how can I do it better, and we go back to the drawing board. I'll talk a little more about genre, not just music, but the idea of, you know, Seth Godin has also written a book called Tribes. I don't know if he talks about genre in that, but he talks about it in the uh, the book, The Practice. And I know, like with our music, for example, we've recorded two very nice albums, but I know they're not genre-specific enough. 
You know, there's some blues, there's some classic rock, I don't know what you call it, adult contemporary rock. And we have to, we do have to narrow down genre. Who's it for is the question that we need to ask. And the more specific we can be about that, I think the more successful we're going to be at getting our ideas out there, taking our risks, shipping our art, and seeing it celebrated instead of ridiculed. Okay, number six, it's okay to pray for vindication even when the outcome looks bleak. However, that's after you've taken the risk based upon what you already know about the character and nature of God. And so I don't know what maybe, maybe you're sitting on some ideas. Maybe you're sitting on some art that needs to be shipped. Or maybe you've, you've buried a dream because you just didn't think it was worth the risk. But you have skills, abilities, talents, ideas, a point of view that could help our world in this crazy day and age. It could shine a bright light in the darkness in which we live. Dust that thing off, man. Dig it up. And start asking God, how can you use this thing? We often get glimpses of those things when we're young and wild. And then as we accumulate stuff, as we accumulate possessions and finances and reputation, we don't see it worth the risk anymore. Now, that doesn't mean... Look, it was a 30-year process to go from a dream that I had when I was 18, uh, 19, yeah, 19. No, actually, the first time glimpse I got, I was probably 18. Um, but to go from that to what we're doing today, to unpack that, literally took about three decades or so. So I'm not advocating you take foolish risk. Um, I'm advocating that you begin to ask God, what is the right thing for me to do with what you put in me, the potential you've given me, the gifts, the skills, and abilities um, that I'm willing to make myself vulnerable uh, and put it out there. We need that more than ever, man. And we really need those of you that have put your hand to something and it didn't work out like you planned, you failed your experience, you've learned, you've got something to go back and examine and say, okay, let me start doing my best to put these pieces together and, and go back to the drawing board and see what good I can do, what creative art I can come up with that will shine the light of Christ in this dark age that we live in. Hey, I hope that helps, and I'm looking forward to more of this series, The Risk of art. I need this information, this insight as well. And remember, you can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We covet your prayers and we depend upon your generosity to carry the light to the least of these. Again, God bless you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for those that are listening to this podcast and I pray that you would begin to stir our hearts mine as well, with new ideas of how to walk in the nature that you put in us, to be creators, to be innovators, to bring light to this dark world. Show us the right thing to do in the moment and the circumstances that we are living in, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes falling angels fly